welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, we're going to talk about some basketball, and not all of it's great, but we do have one team playing in the state playoffs. We got the Buffalo Gap girls into the state playoffs, as we've been talking about most of the season. We really uh, spotted coming into the season that this was a team with, you know, one of the better chances. And once they got playing, there was a lot to buy into. Uh, undefeated through the district season. We talked about them all year. Um, 24 and three, what a record. Uh, but they get there by beating Surrey County in the quarterfinals. I think we were on that night. But then after that, that that rematch, the little rivalry that had kind of brewed up with Rappahannock County, they handled that well with the semifinal win at home. Then they had to go on the road to Brunswick, one by 20. That game, They had that game in control pretty much the whole way. And so they come home as Region 1B champs to host in the state tournament uh they'll have westmoreland on tuesday night 6 p.m at home or i believe at home um and uh yeah just awesome awesome for the lady bison it is it is and you know like you said i I think we were hoping they were going to be able to get back there the win against rappahannock was massive um because that was kind of the team that had gotten in their way right and now uh they thrashed Brunswick in the region championship. So I think they have all the confidence in the world that they can, you know, take that step that had kind of been eluding them winning the state championship, which would be awesome. Uh, Bring another state championship to Augusta County. Um, And and I think, you know, that's absolutely should be one of the goals of this team, the way they're playing right now. It seems like they're clicking on all cylinders and uh, man, you know, you, you you look at the way the the matchups are going in this first round of the state tournament. I think they're heavy favorites in that matchup, and if they get past them, then you got a shot at maybe seeing Brunswick again. If you, if that's the matchup, it's a team you just beat by twenty in the state semifinals. So then you're into the you're at the Seagull Center, and uh, it's one game for a title. Yeah, and the other team they could see is Essex. Uh, uh, so you know, like. Familiar names of schools, you know, obviously Brunswick's who they just played. Essex is a team that's, you know, we're familiar with that school from football conversations particularly. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's going to – it's a fun ride they're on. Avery Bradley keeps on kicking butt as a senior guard. Um, I know the Richie girl was big in the game the other day. Uh, But this is that team that you don't – they really don't just lean on that one, like, super-duper star. Now, they they have the leaders – but they, they can get some scoring from a lot of different ways. And with a team that, you know, does depend on their shooting ability, that's important. And so uh, you know, they've they've taken that to the max. Um, it's been a while since they've lost a basketball game. Um, I think, honestly, it was that non-district, like, Greece Christian game that, like, is just the oddball in their schedule. They had pounded them early in the season. And um, I don't know. I guess I've never had the guts to ask anybody that is a fan of them what happened there. Um, Cause it just kind of sticks out as a weird one, but they've just been on a roll and, and playing great basketball uh, coach Morgan, you know, and he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's been there before he's taken gap to this level before to uh, state games, to the state championship games. Um, so he knows how to have them ready. Uh, it had been a little bit of a gap though, since they had really made deep, deep run. So it, it's, it's impressive to kind of get a fresh group there. You know, this isn't the, the freshman when the seniors did it or something like that. This is really kind of a fresh run. They did make it to States last year, but you know, if they're able to make it to Siegel center and we're hopeful that next week when we talk, that's what we're talking about. 
uh, because they would play twice this week. They play a state quarterfinal against Westmoreland and then a state semifinal on Friday uh, at a location either towards Essex or a location towards uh, Buffalo Gap against Brunswick. Um, but yeah, we're hoping a week from now we're talking about a state final for them. And it would just be really impressive for Philip Morgan kind of do that with a fresh group. Yeah. And I th- again, I, I just think that this is a team that absolutely uh, should be picturing cutting down the nets at the Seagull Center. I think this is absolutely. a really realistic goal for them. I mean, honestly, last year, I thought that's what that would have for them. And they, they had that thorn in their side with Rappahannock County in two games that I just don't think they played their they, best basketball. It yeah, was really was, impressive for me to fully come back from that and just put that out of the picture. Yeah, th- those were both games that I thought, you know, even in those games, they were close enough they could have won either one of those games. And then you see Rappahannock County kind of just cruise on after that. And so why you've, you've gotten rid of them. You just pounded Brunswick, who was the one seed uh, in the region. Um so now if you have to play them again, you're doing it close, like you say, closer to home. Man, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why this team wouldn't have all the confidence in the world going forward. Right. So uh, they were the bright spot for our Shenandoah yeah. District basketball. The other girls teams that played last week, uh, Fort Defiance fell at home to Central. Uh, Stuart Straff fell on the road to Page County. Um and it was particularly a Fort Defiance. We saw that come in with the injury. Uh, Stewart's draft, uh, they battled in that game, so I'll give them credit there. On the boys' side, Gap lost to Alta Vista. Fort Defiance lost at home to Luray, uh, 80-67. to And Clark County beat Stewart's draft by 10. And But Stewart's draft, we can talk about 2B boys. That was that team. If, if they could have just kept playing the way they were playing in January – and very early February, maybe mostly January, that was a team that I thought could could make that run. And they lost those two games to Stanton, and then it just seemed like the wheels kind of fell off there. And they were, I really heard they weren't playing the same basketball they had been playing. It just their confidence had gotten rattled, or whatever adjustments they made for those for the Stanton games didn't really help with the others, and they couldn't get back on track. And then it goes on a Luray team that Stuart Straff had beat earlier in the season, obviously play, probably playing better basketball. That's the team from the five seed that goes on to win the 2B boys side. So congratulations to them. They did what they deserve. It's just a bit of what could have been there for Stuart's draft. And I think that's something that Stuart Straff can use going into next year of we were playing with these guys last year. We were doing it. We were on the right track. We got to get back in that zone, follow through, and get to that tournament in a better spot to where we can be that team to do that. So uh, I really do think it's a what could have been situation for the Cougars there. Um, but at the same time, congratulations, Larray making a heck of a run out of five spot. Yeah, I mean, Larray did what they needed to do. Um, and I think this kind of, you know, we touched on it. Like, this is this is the, the fear that I had with the Shenandoah District and, yeah. and these teams that, you know, struggled out of district, but then when they got into district play, went on these hot runs, you know, I, we, we talked about it. I was like, outside of Stanton, I don't know who in the district I would say is good. Uh, I think these are, or are good enough to get to that state level. I mean, these are good to average talent teams and Fort Defiance is one of those teams that got red hot at the end of the year when, and they were just playing district teams. But when you look at that out of district schedule, that's, that was my concern is that something like this might happen. You're not playing 
teams that are having down seasons, you're now playing teams that are, you know, maybe playing better competition in the regular season than you did. And I think we might have seen that a little bit. Yeah, Joe, I mean, you're you're just saying there that like Stanton was the one team that stood out that, you know, seemed uh, to rise above it all this year. And, uh, you know, let's bring on Coach Terrell Mickens to uh, talk about their Stanton team here that had a heck of a run uh, all the way to the region 3C semifinals up against that tough Spotswood team, but also some some other news to talk to uh, to coach about here. But Terrell, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So uh, I do want to start with uh, at least this season, and then and then we'll get into probably the the broader, bigger news here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, it was a heck of a season. You guys made a great run. Um, you you were undefeated in the district and uh, took on you know everybody in the district can kind of just send them packing quickly. I mean, you, you, the rivalry that's kind of built with Wilson, um, you guys kind of squelched that. Stewart's draft was having a heck of a run. And then kind of back-to-back games for them, you guys shut them down. Um, just a great season. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it, it took us a little while to get going. Uh, we went and played some some pretty good teams in the non-conference, um, you know, which we, we ended up going 500 or maybe five and six or something like that. Um, but I knew once we got to the district, I thought we could uh, get to gel and get going. Um, I only returned two starters from last season, um, and then Rail coming back. So we had to we had to figure out how each other how to play with each other. Um, and I thought, you know, coming into district play, we were hitting the ground running. How how close were you watching those seeding numbers for the region? You know, hoping to maybe get in that two three line um, rather than the four line where you ended up. Uh, yeah, I, I, Coach Tibbs yeah. sends it to me every day. Yeah, um, he's he's probably the the guy that worries about it. He knows that I try not to. Um, well, but he was doing the numbers and crunching them, and I just told my guys we just gotta control what we can control, um, and and win uh, to to get, try to give us the best that we could. So you know, right here that you 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 had a post uh, just a couple of days ago. Um, you know, and I think right after the season, you were talking about how, you know, you hate losing uh, more than you like winning. And then that rolls into another post where you announce uh, that you're stepping away from the basketball program and coaching and, and you know, citing uh, your young family and, and all that. You know, talk about that decision and how hard that was to make. Uh, it was a tough decision. Um, pondered on it for, for months. Uh, you know, uh, you know, shout out to my wife for holding it down, um, you know, with having a five-year-old and a, 19 month old on top of a middle school boy who made the middle school team and he plays AAU basketball. You know, she's, she's running around crazy uh, the last (laughs) couple months. I think we went 29 straight days of games um, between my games, both my son's games. And then my, my oldest son plays on the weekends. I think we went 29 straight days um, sitting in the gym somewhere. And, you know, that kind of helped make it a little bit easier to make that decision. Uh, you know, I, when I talked to Coach Tibbs, I told him, I said, I, I didn't I didn't plan my life to be a head coach at 23 years old, um, you know, and, you know, I was grateful for the opportunity and thankful for the opportunity. But, you know, I, I've always said that if, if my family, you know, needs me, then I'm going to step away because um, I can always get coaching back. I can't get these memories back. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, focusing on the coaching career, you know, seven years, you rack up over a hundred wins in seven years, which is an accomplishment in itself. But I mean, you look at some of those deep runs, you know, I guess I'll ask you the first question here. When you look at your teams, 
what is one of your favorite teams that you got to coach? Um, I'll have to say my first one. Um, yeah. You know, kind of, you know, shout out to Jared. That's my boy, my brother. Uh, you know, but just the way I kind of came in um, that first game, um, you know, I got a call at 10 a.m. saying, hey, you're coaching tonight. And those guys told me, coach, don't worry about it. We got you. Um, and we kind of all grew together and grew up together. Those guys helped me more than they know. Um, you know, so that was a big deal. And then for us to get back to the state title that same year, I, I, that was a pretty, pretty fun time. And so I want to stay there. I want to stay there. Uh, and I talk about broadcasting because uh, we, you know, we were on the radio for that game. We were, we were sitting across the court from you that Saturday night uh, for that state championship. I know it didn't go y'all's way like it, like it did the year before when you were on the staff then too. Uh, but talk about just your memories of that night and some of those moments, maybe putting the loss side of it away, but just the atmosphere in there. That's what I always reference, just the the electricity, the, you know, Patrick Ewing over there. Like just the, what was going on in that gym that night? What was your memories from that game? Uh, it was insane. Um, to sell out VCU yeah. uh, is insane. And, you know, you know, Mac McClung was a great guy, a great player, but I think the the revenge and the rematch with him and Jarvis really amped that game up. Um, you know, and I, and I was, I was just in the zone, you know, it was like being in player again at the same time. So it took me, it took me a little while afterwards to kind of soak it in. Uh, my manager in the locker room, um, was like, Hey, there go Patrick Ewing. Can I take a picture of him? And I was like, sure. And then he walked up to me and shook my hand and his, his fingers went halfway up my forearm um, and told me good game coach. And I thought, you know, I thought that was an amazing thing. I wish I would have got a picture, but the competitor in me, uh, you know, he was with gay city at that time. I was like, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, coach I, Leland touched on already. We were obviously calling a lot of your games down the stretch there, including that game at the Siegel center and in the years following as well. Um, you know, it's, it was an exciting time with that first team because there were some tight battles there. Central was really pushing you guys as well. And I I know the Stanton folks there were probably, you know, looking ahead to that potential gate city matchup, but I know you were, you and your team were focused on the teams at hand. Those were some huge matchups the entire way from that region championship on. It felt like. Oh yeah, I, I thought we we earned every bit to get to that state championship game. Um, you know, to a great central team and then a great Greensville team came in um in the second state game. You um, you know, and I thought it, it also it worked for me that I had seven seniors um who had won the state title the year before they played in the state championship in football and then turned back around. Um so I knew close games, those guys were built for that. That's what they were built for. Now in the, uh, I guess the article for the newsletter, I, you know, you kind of referenced the the phrase, you know, it's not goodbye, it's see you later or some version of that. Um, you know, you can't control everything. You don't know what's going to, what jobs are going to be open when. Can you imagine yourself coaching somewhere else other than at San High School? I don't want to say no. I don't want to say <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I'm a Stanton guy uh, yeah, through and through. Are. I bleed that blue and white. I went to Robert E. Lee. Um, I'm only 30, 30 years old, so you just never know what can happen. My son is coming up here in a couple of years, so we'll see. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good uh, – you can maybe be a politician now that you're not coaching. That was a great answer for that. 
<laughs> um, you know, and you've also done a lot of uh, work um, at the YMCA, and and you're you're always around there. Uh, one of the best uh, Terrell stories I have is uh, you were coaching my uh, oldest at YMCA, and then, like you said, you had the all of a sudden I'm head coach for Stanton High School, and and taking over that team. But you were still coaching. You're still honoring mm-hmm. your commitment to the YMCA and coaching the little ones, <laughs> yeah. you know, little kindergarten or preschool <laughs> girls. And I'll never forget. It, it made me it, I already had a lot of respect for you, but this even more so. My wife witnessed it. I didn't. Uh, but you were at Riverheads High School playing against the Gladiators. They send you up the hall at halftime. And uh, during halftime, my family's out in the lobby getting snacks or whatever. You guys come back and you're all business going through. And uh, my wife says the whole team's coming through. Everybody's making way. And here comes you and Telly. And all of a sudden you see my daughter and you just break and you're like, Hey, and you like gave her a hug or whatever. And, the, yeah. and, my, and my wife was like, that was awesome. She's like, I'm, I was really afraid we we're going to have to buy her a blue and white shirt after that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the kind of guy you are. I wanted to know, I wanted you to know that kind of story exists and you know, you did at the time. You probably don't even remember it, but you know, that that's the kind of impact you have on so many young people mm-hmm. in the area, what you've done at the YMCA and, and, and how that program at Stanton exists is what happens at the YMCA and getting everybody ready to, to play in Paul Hatcher Gymnasium. And you've been such a big part of that. Um, I, I just want to say thank you from my point of view, from my first stories, but also what you do for the entire community. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I'll ask you, do you still see yourself being involved in the community, even though you're not going to be coaching at the high school? Yes, I'm still teaching at the high school. Um, yeah. Like I said, my son is playing AAU. My my four, my five year old just got done at the Y. I coached him. He's playing T ball. I'm coaching that. Awesome. Um, so, and I, I always have ties to the Y. Shout out to Mr. Eddie and Coach Windsor. Yeah. Um, you know, so my 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 work in the community isn't done. Um, it just will look a little different uh, in, in where I'll be at. At least for a little bit, right? <laughs> at least for a little bit. <laughs> Even though I'm sure you wish the next guy uh, success, uh, you know, I, I don't know any of the inside outs so that you might uh, at least have an idea of, of what's happening there. But uh, I know you wish them success and, and maybe no reason for Stanton to need a head coach, uh, even maybe when you're ready. So, Yes, sir. I'll, I'll be there to help whoever and help the guys that's there. I'm, I still believe blue and white. Absolutely. Well, um, Leland, it, you ahead. told a story. I'll tell one that's telling on myself. Um, that central game, I brought it up, and I remember it being so close because Leland mm-hmm. will remember this too. We're watching the game, and you guys have a pretty sizable lead at one point, and then central starts to come back in the fourth quarter because they're a good team. But yep. Leland knew all year from hearing me, whether it was a Stanton High School game we were calling or Riverheads and Stewart's draft or whoever was playing, I would always be – well, this is what's going on in Gate City. Uh, you know, we might see them if Stanton gets back to a state championship. That would be exciting. <laughs> and I, I had already had that circled on my calendar. I was like, gosh, we got we to gotta get Stanton back there because I want to see him play Gate City again. And in that Central game when they're coming back, I'm, I'm on the radio and I'm panicking. I am probably worse than the Stanton fans <laughs> in the stands. I'm like, what are we doing? Come on. Get he was worse than me during a Riverheads game, during a Riverheads loss or And so as soon as that game ended, while we're waiting for you to come up and talk to us, which, by the way, we always appreciate when the coaches did that. Oh, no problem. Uh, we go to break while we're waiting, and Leland is up there. He goes, are you going to calm down now? It's like, yeah, I'm good now. We won. Like, <laughs> 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 but that was that was crazy. And uh, yeah. But, yeah, I just remember, you know, you talk about the great game that it was, and then immediately, like, 
all right, it's on the it's on the Gate City. Like this is who we got, and uh, yep. that was exciting. That was exciting. That was a fun time. Yeah, the two games that Joe is probably least professional that I've seen because Joe's a pro. I'm not. I'm not a pro. He's a pro. <laughs> is the two Stanton games back to back years, and it was that uh, the next the next year, but the year before that. The big comeback at uh, the convo, oh, and uh, yeah. when, when yeah. you guys got all the way back, and Joe was like standing up, announcing like motioning. And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, Joe, yes." <laughs> I appreciate it, Joe. Those were fun. Teams. He was all doing teams. the choo choo train. The Jarvis was <laughs> out on the train. <laughs> what's a uh, okay. what, what's a fun behind the scenes story that maybe folks haven't heard yet from your coaching days? Uh, I don't know if I have any fun behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I can't. Some, I can't some things of... happen at Stanton High School. Some storm stories, you got to stay, you got to okay. be there, yeah, right? You got to stay behind. Yeah, yeah, behind I can't, I can't think of any, any, anything <laughs> juicy to tell you. I don't have <laughs> <laughs> Well, Coach, you coached again, probably in one of the hardest stretches of any high school coaching uh, time periods. I mean, you dealt with uh, COVID and all of that, um, and and you you kept a great program relevant on top, winning championships. I mean, I'm reading here, you know, three regular season district titles, two district tournament championships, you know, region championships. You you kept that program what that's supposed to be during one of the toughest times in the country to be coaching at that level. Uh, so you deserve a lot of praise for what you did. You deserve a little time away from uh, the head man job and uh, you deserve a, uh, a pat on the back. You did a good job and uh, we Thank appreciate you so what you've done. I appreciate it. Jay Shaw. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for coming on and we'll talk to you down the road. No problem. See you. Thanks again there to coach uh, Terrell Mickens coming on. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a big loss for the state and program. And, and honestly, I was shocked by the news. I don't, I don't have any inside info there. And, uh, you know, he talked about in the articles and even referenced there about kind of thinking about it throughout the season. Um, but that was nothing, anything I was clued in on. So it was definitely a shocker. That's a big loss for that program. Now that is a program that, you know, coaches will be eager to coach there. I mean, you got, you got kids coming in eager to play to prioritize their effort in the game of basketball, the feeding of that system, goes so well because of what <laughs> Terrell and, and as he mentioned, Windsor and Eddie do at the YMCA, um, just that the culture that exists to um, feed that high school's basketball program um, is there. So the coaches will want to coach there. They have guys within the program that are probably interested in coaching there. So um, I, you know, I don't think this is some kind of all oh, the program's going to drop off, even though Terrell is that level of coach. I mean, he's that good a coach. You, you would think, man, you can't lose a, a leader like that and just stay on top. But you also have hope that they'll have a pretty good hire uh, to go in place there where you wouldn't just assume a complete drop off there. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I remember, I think it was Friday night that that news broke and I saw it and I, I sent it to you because I was like, yo, this was not expected. Yeah. And um, yeah. it was. Oh, my Lord, was my response. <laughs> yeah, so. it was. It was a shock. And yeah. um but at the same time, like, you know, when you when you read his rationale and you heard him talk about it tonight during yeah. the interview, you 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 understand that decision. Like, absolutely. And, and I think he's got the right the right 
mindset there. You know, he wants to spend just time with reinforcing his family. Reinforcing what we think of him. Yeah, you, you can't know? you can't yeah. blame a guy for wanting to spend more time with his family. Right. Like, and he knows he knows the commitment that this is, and he doesn't want to shortchange those kids either. So Stanton yeah. that, Stanton is absolutely that maturity. That maturity at what at thirty now or what whatever hell yeah. uh, coach is, you know that's the reason he was on that pace and that's why he was named head coach at twenty three and that's yeah. why he got that job you know ahead of time from what a lot of people get, um, and that's who he is. And so uh, having made that decision and, and making the priorities the way it is, reinforcing what we all think of him um, in high standing, that's kind of the reason he's going to get his foot back in the door when he wants to. And uh, you know the idea of him coaching somewhere else seems odd, but you know, you can't pick and choose where you come in and out of. So he, he might have to consider such a thing down the road, uh, but he might not too. So, you know, it might work out. And so I, I'm happy he'll be able to, uh, you know, be the number one at home or at least, at least in the top two at home uh, and, uh, you know, help, help divide and conquer at home on those 29 straight days in the gym and, uh, and then get back to it when he, when the timing is, is better for him and his family. Yeah. And I think, you know, going moving on to this to the impact at Stanton that this is going to have I, I do think yeah. I you know I I messaged you my my gut reaction was this is going to hurt because that was a program that was it seemed to be going easily trending in the right direction way. how good Terrell is you easily think that yeah, yeah. now and you quickly reminded me there are people on that staff potentially who could get the job and we don't know who the outside person if they go with an outside person we don't know who that is either yet so it, there's the potential for them to kind of pick up and run along but I do think him not being there, there is going to be some kind of impact felt. I think he's just too sure. good of a too good of a leader and too good of a coach for that not to be the case. It's like uh, in in a, in a lot of ways, um, you know. I know Coach Paul Hatcher, you know, when he was there, kind of had that gravitas, and he's compared to Coach Casto. But it's uh, you know, you wouldn't say Riverheads is falling apart and is in shambles, but it is. You know, when Coach Casto left, Coach Norcross kept it very similar, but there are subtle differences, right? And so whoever yeah. this new coach is, even if they try to run the exact same stuff, there's going to be subtle differences because they're not Coach Mickens, and everybody yeah. – and that's okay. Like, I'm not saying they need to find a carbon copy of Terrell Mickens to go run this program now. Like, I, everybody is different, and there's going to be different things about the system that they want to run or – what they try to do next year, probably. And that's okay. Um, folks are probably gonna have to get used to that. Um, yeah. Especially if it's an outside hire. Right. And I don't know, like you said, we don't know anything in terms of who no, they're looking yeah. at or who, yeah. who will be named head coach. If there's people on the staff, then, you know, there's the, the possibility of continuity being really strong. If they go outside, it might be somebody who hasn't, who didn't play basketball at Stanton or R.E. Lee high school. So then, uh, you know, it's going to be a different vibe altogether. And if it is that, I just I hope folks will be patient and understanding of that. And uh, yeah. uh, but we'll see who they the go. The man with, involved but, in hiring, yeah, the man involved in hiring is Coach Tibbs. He knows what Stanton is. He knows he what it's been. He knows what it is. So uh, I have, you know, that that's not going to be ignored. And if it is in a different direction than a you know quote Stanton guy. Um, there's going to be good reason for that. And they're sure. going to come with some qualifications that justify that. So I'm interested, um, you know, I quickly go to assistant coaches names. I'm not going to roll through them here. Um, some, some big names, some big men that, uh, that, that might, you know, be in that line. 
Um, but uh, we'll have to see. So uh, yeah. we won't we won't recklessly speculate yet. Uh, <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll move the conversation forward um, and uh, we'll get to college basketball as um, we do have. Oh, sorry, I'm a, <laughs> not transitioning well, but we have local college basketball to talk that we have ignored all season. Um, Mary Baldwin men's basketball won their conference, had a great regular season, win the conference and they're going on to the national tournament. And so that deserves to at least be talked about on this podcast. We have not been following it close. Admittedly, Jeff Wright called us out justifiably, uh, but they're having a heck of a season over there in a program that obviously isn't very old as this is, you know, a newer um, you know, men going to that uni- uh, university is a newer thing. So obviously having a men's basketball team, very new, and uh, they've gotten to the top quickly there. Yeah, they won the USA South Athletic Conference uh, championship over Greensboro, which was which was massive. Um, they're one of six teams in the state of Virginia that are actually going to the D3 tournament, which is cool. Um, so the state is represented well there. Um, but it's, it's a massive achievement, like you said, for a program that hasn't been around that long. Uh, to already be winning a, a conference tournament and going into that NCAA tournament uh, is great. And I uh, wish them all the best when they get to the D3 NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah, they got guys like Quentin Hart, Jaden Ignacio, and Luke Ogle. Those are the the big names there, with Ogle being the MVP from the all-tournament team there. And, uh, you know, I looked through the roster, was it two weeks ago? I, I, I started paying more attention to them because they were having the great – wrap up to the regular season. And, you know, I wasn't seeing local guys. So I didn't Im- immediately get sucked in right there. You know, there wasn't the, the guys that we heard about locally, uh, but they do have a lot of guys, you know, regionally playing there. So it's, it's a pretty cool collection. Um, they beat uh, Greensboro for that championship there. And, and, you know, this conference is made of teams from, you know, North Carolina, Virginia, um, you know, this region, um, but a heck of a run and uh, very much rooting for them here. I definitely have them on my radar now as this tournament's going to get going this week. Yeah. And we'll be paying attention to the D3 tournament when we might not have been. So um, <laughs> outside of D3 basketball, it's kind of a rough week for our, uh, for the ACC teams. Yeah. You know, it started off uh, the last week. So great for, for Virginia tech fans as they could just wallop on UVA and beat them by 30 couple uh, and we talked about that last week on the podcast, but, you know, kind of as predicted, I, I, I definitely saw it coming. I think I said it last week on a podcast, like tech's, tech's going to go to pit and and probably just, you know, not play well and lose. It's exactly what they did. There was an 18 0 run at some point during that game. They got down, fought back and then just let it just completely go away from them. They've lost five of seven. So even like the, you know, ups and downs, you know, the ups are the up, the up was nice last Monday, but there's just not too much of it up. It's a, a blip up and then a couple losses in a row, it feels like. And they and they go to Syracuse next and then wait. And both teams very capable of beating Virginia Tech. So, you know, it a lot of the hope that we had early, you can see moments of it, but it's just not enough to 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 put a winning record in the ACC together. And and it's just it stinks. Um, you know, still not calling for anybody's head. I, you know, I still like the direction of the program and what we are. It's just, this is a letdown. So we want to see some, some of these recruits that have been, you know, highly touted and and that we're getting coming in. We we're going to want to see some good impact from them and the growth. We've seen some from players that have continue in the off season, but 
yeah, this season is, you know, NIT at best. And, and that's really shaky now too. So it's just not what we wanted this year. Uh, yeah, I, if, I tend to agree with you. I, I think the people who think uh, Coach Young should be fired or I don't oh, know, yeah. crazy. Um, the man won an ACC And hire tournament. who? And who and, and hire who? Right, and like, that's the thing. Yeah, the man won an ACC tournament. That was never a realistic goal for Virginia Tech men's basketball. So he did that. Uh, he's going to be there for quite a while. Is this team disappointing from maybe where fans thought we were going? Yeah. Uh, I don't think, I think coach young would be the first to admit that that this year has not been a success, but um, I don't know. Kind of like you said it last week. And I think that's kind of the, just the, the mindset you need to have, whatever wins you get are icing on the cake at this point. Like, yeah, I don't know what there is to play for. Like the NCAA bubble is burst for sure. And um, absolutely. Yeah. That's not what you're playing for. Now UVA on the other hand does still have that to play for, but they need to turn things around because they've lost three of four. They got thrashed by UNC. They're the first team in the shot clock era to have three straight games where they don't score 50 points, which is not good. And the, and the first half was brutal. Yeah. Um, so they did a lot of those 44 points mm-hmm. in the second half. <laughs> At I mean, they BC, had like, at BC, that's kind of got to be a win. Like, you you need to be yeah. able to go on the road and get a win at BC. That's Wednesday night. And then the Duke game is going to be tough, but you need to be competitive, and you'd love to get a win there. Um, but you I can mean, write some wrongs with a win against Duke. Like, you can I guess that say, some of that see? depends on who plays <laughs> in that game and who doesn't, um, yeah. which I guess let's talk, talk about, about it. it. I mean, the court storm and stuff. Now. I mean, let's talk about it. I don't know. I saw the video when I read the head, when I read the bottom line on Saturday, uh, I was like, Oh man, that sounds horrible. And then I go watch the video and my initial gut reaction was, well, don't stick your leg out and your arms out trying to hit somebody. And maybe you don't collide your leg with them. Um, there's two sides to this and I see both sides. One, yes. Court storming, it's overdone. It's dangerous. <sighs> and as I just mentioned, I think Filipowski initiated contact. So I only feel so sorry for somebody initiating contact that then maybe gets hurt. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, and there's a lot of answers on, you know, where, how do we stop this? How do, how can we prevent this from happening? Court storming needs to be banned. Schools are already being fined when fans storm the court. So that's not it. So that's not stopping it. Um, Jay Billis today said, arrest everyone who storms the court. I, that seems like a giant waste of the legal systems time. It seems like a giant waste of, if the security can't stop them from getting on the floor, what makes you think they're going to be able to arrest them? Like, that seems like a bad idea because then you're going to have people panicking once they notice people are starting to get arrested, trying to escape. And then you're going to have people get hurt that way. So that doesn't seem like a good idea. Uh, the best idea that I've seen, and honestly, I think this should be the protocol. If a game is in a scenario where it looks like fans are going to be rushing the floor, the security don't line up around all the way around the, the floor one single file or whatever because the fans have been getting through that or you know spaced out around the whole gym have them lined up around that opposing team 
And their job is we're going to get you to your locker room. We're going to get you to your locker room without any incident. Like that needs to be the answer. And the state police are there. That's, that's their role. We're taking you or campus police or whoever we're taking you to the locker room. And then we'll worry about getting this stork corming cleared out. Now, with every time we have an incident in this country, people try to break down that situation and say how that could have gone different and think like that's some kind of addressing it for everything. So I don't want to do that. I will say in this case, man, those fans were on the court quickly. Like, like the play had just stopped and there was no chance for Duke players to all make it to somewhere safe if Wake was moving people in. Mm-hmm. I've seen at Virginia Tech at one point, they, they started having it because we, we had a good little run with Seth uh, Greenberg when I was there where they, they really did a good job at getting that opposing uh, team kind of surrounded, protected, and off. And I think in this case, Wake wasn't prepared to do it quite like that, but also those fans were on there so quick. There was no wall to jump down or rail to get over. They're there quickly. So I think even more at places with those conditions – you got to be do what Joe just said. I like it and protect those people. If you're going to allow, allow this to continue. And maybe that's the thing where it you have ha- to put railings. Like maybe you need to put railings between people on the yeah. floor. Like you don't have just an open path from the seats to the floor. That yeah. seems like a bad idea. I, I'll say, I, and I, I've said it on the podcast already, so I'm not breaking news here. I'm done with it. Like, I think it's overrated. I think in football, I really judge when teams rush the field. Clemson has them on the field after each and every game, which I think is bizarre at this point. I'm done with it. I feel like I've seen anything good, anything that would impress me, anything that would leave me with a good feeling. I've seen it. It's happened for 30 years now. I, I could be okay with them making efforts to get rid of it from the this, turn it into the wave as for Joe and get rid of it. Like we don't need it anymore. Like I'm comfortable with that. Like I don't, hold on to the nostalgia of rushing the court. Now it's easy for me to say I've done it a couple of times. I got to do it. I'm happy. You know, like I yeah. had my experience with it and uh, I've seen my team have it a lot. So like it, I'm, I can be done with it very easily. I also say anything good we're going to see from this has already happened. Only stuff that's bad is going to make news here on out. Like we're never going to have some great score court storm. We're like, man, we're glad we still have that. Only bad things make the news when it comes to court storming anymore. We had Caitlin Clark that was in an incident not so different than this a few weeks ago, two months ago, whatever it was. Like, we're only going to have bad things happen. People don't belong on the court. And at every other level, at NFL and NBA, they don't have the fans on the court. And the times that they do have been the worst things that have happened. And when the players go on the stands, not good either. Keep people where they belong. And that court is for the performers of this entertainment thing that we're watching. And the best way to keep those people safe from crazy people is to keep these people separate. So I'm really okay with the scenarios that you're talking about of figuring out how to contain this, do whatever it takes. Arresting everybody doesn't seem like the right answer. But again, we can't look at this incident and say, this is how we solve this one. That's how it'll solve all. We just have to look at common sense ways of approaching this. Finding the schools is a great start. Then they'll like have that. ACC doesn't find those schools. SEC does, and the SEC has had less court storming than in the past. Not none, but less. I'm okay with initial steps of forcing less. 
And that way we have less opportunities for something bad's going to happen with this. A lot of times we see these students going on the court and they're focused on getting to the celebration and not focused on doing something negative to the players. That's going to change. Like at some point there's going to be a stinker that coming out here. That's not, not as focused on that. And he's going to be focused on this. So I, I don't know. I I'm fine with it going away. I really am. I, I, I kind of said it all weekend from the moment that I saw, I, we were watching those games when it happened and, uh, I, I'm okay with it goes away. I'm not going to sit here and pound my fist and say it's got to go away, but like I'm I'm comfortable with efforts to stop it. The SEC is already doing that, I, and that hasn't ruined the game of basketball. So like I'm okay with some of these initial steps to do that. I don't know if you corral everybody and arrest everybody. I don't see how you do that. I agree, but I, efforts are acceptable to me. So you said a lot there, and I want to go back to something you said. We don't see this in the NBA. We don't see this in the NFL. There's a major difference. Those are pro teams. Everybody is somewhat professional. Like they're all professional athletes. So it's not like the major thing. (laughs) It's not the same thing though, where like, you know, Wake Forest in Duke, like there is a massive, massive talent gap there. It's not, okay, this team's better, but you know, they're all professional athletes any given day. Like, this is a massive, massive difference in, in talent. And the other thing there is, these are colleges. Who's storming the floor? It's college kids. In the pros, college kids don't necessarily buy the bulk of the tickets. So I think that's another factor there. And you and I have touched on this. Less college, people. people that aren't professionals away from being a fan, people that are less held accountable for their actions are the ones. Yeah, yeah, they are the ones in the stadium. But they're adults. They're not, but they're held less accountable than anyone pro arena. Like people that have that you're assuming have wife and kids and jobs to pay for the tickets to get in there. You have these kids that have got in there because they're students and they pay less and you know, they might get kicked out of school if they get in trouble, but they aren't held to the same. Yeah. Yeah. Those, the, the less, less mature people are there. That's true. But we also talk about this in terms of college sports and what makes college sports great is the passion. That's not there at the same level in the pros. Like, it's different. Blacksburg on a Saturday night is the coolest, one of the coolest environments I've ever been in in a stadium. I've been in some cool environments in Oriole playoff games. Um, One we won, one we didn't. But, like, the majority of... It's cool before they get on the field. It's cool before somebody upsets somebody and they come on the field. I mean, it's a great environment. Yeah, but I was was there in 99 when Michael Vick... And they beat Boston College, and the Tech fans stormed the field, and they were going to the national championship. That was cool. They took down the goalposts, marched it through Blacksburg. It was cool. Yeah. Okay, so because it it's been done once, it can't ever be done again? That's so dumb. No, I was on the it's field ridiculous. three times. Here's the thing. Here's the other thing, Duke. If you don't want them to storm the floor, don't lose. Like, don't lose to the far- vastly inferior, inferior team. They won't storm the floor. Now, when Clemson storms the field after every football home game, is that dumb? Yeah. I think they're I, – I do roll my eyes when it's – you know, oh, wow, we're we're ranked and we beat somebody else who's ranked. Let's storm the floor uh, or the field. That's when I'm like, OK, this is dumb. But yeah. for Wake Forest, a team that is still on the bubble to make the tournament to beat a top five team in the country, I think at the time. Yeah. Storm the floor. Now, you shouldn't go out of your way to collide with somebody. But again, I've already talked about that. I, when I watch that video, I'm like, I think someone initiated contact. I don't think it was the kid. You also notice the Wake Forest kid 
doesn't even pay attention. Like when he gets hit, he immediately like bounces off, keeps on running to the celebration. Cause you're right. He's not aiming for Filipowski there. Yeah. He's no, aiming that, to get to the celebration. I, I will say what's, what's the best event in college basketball or in college sports is the tournament, right? Yeah. We don't see any court storm in there. I know it's neutral sites, but we don't see any court storm in there. It doesn't take away it's from the sites. upsets that happen there. And in a lot of, a lot of cases, We've or not a lot of cases. We've seen a lot of upsets there that are probably bigger deals. We saw a 16 beat a one, and no one stormed the court after, and it was still magical and awesome. We still talked okay, about but it there's day. maybe we don't need the there's court maybe, storming to make college basketball awesome. But there's maybe 50 kids from the 16 seed that's there. Like we don't, but no, but it was still magical. It, it's still magic. Like it was still an epic win and awesome. And we, you know, remember those moments. We don't need the court storming to be the cherry on this cupcake. We don't need that. We can still have. It's not the worst thing in the world, with though. The like, emotion that it I am is. Sick and tired of the wrong I'm people sick being and tired of, of acting court. like this is like burning down the building. Like it's not. It's not the worst Stop thing to ever happen something in a before it gets worse. That's how we are. JMU men, they had a good week. They got two wins on the road. They have two more games on the road. They've won eight straight. But like we keep saying, even with the second best record in, in the conference there in the Sun Belt, they're going to have to do well and win the Sun Belt tournament. That starts in Pensacola a week from now where the top four seeds, which JMU will be one, will get a first or we get double buys. They would play their first game on uh, Saturday, and then they play Sunday and Monday if they were to play in the championship game. So we got that looking ahead there for the JMU men. On the women's side, uh, let's talk about the JMU women first, as they had a win and a loss this week. Not a great loss at Appy State on the women's side there, a six-point loss. Um, Again, though, they'll be a top-four seed. They will play with double bye in Pensacola, the same location, now they do some like every other day stuff at some point in that tournament. I think Friday is when the women start and then they don't play Saturday. And then both men and women have semifinals on Sunday and both finals on Monday. So uh, that's something to look forward to a week from now. We'll be breaking down those brackets in a week. Uh, but then like, let's talk about VCU women. You, uh, you talk about the VCU women or your team, <laughs> Joe's VCO women. Uh they they played St. Joe's on Wednesday and was a team that was tied for first in the A10 with St. Joe's uh with Richmond and the first half I mean the first quarter was tight second quarter was about as bad as it could go for VCU they were down 11 or da- excuse me down 13 at half um and then in the third quarter this is a completely different Rams team that came out they they came out hungry uh turned up the intensity on defense St. Joe's made their first shot from the field in the third quarter and then didn't make another one. Uh, they were 0 for 15 after that in the third quarter. Fourth quarter wasn't much better for the Hawks. They made no threes in the second half after shooting like 70% or something like that in the first half from beyond the arc. They made no threes in the second half. And VCU comes back and actually wins that game fairly comfortably, 59-48. So that was, that was massive, I think, for the team and for their confidence going the rest of the way. Then they go to LaSalle and uh, thumped them by 25 points in a massive win. They've won six out of seven. They got Rhode Island coming up on Wednesday, which will be huge uh, because Rhode Island's a team that's right there with them in terms of like that, that top five race. Uh, And so it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Hopefully they win that game. It's going to be a tough road game, but then they come home 
And then they play George Mason. It's a team that right now they're tied for third in the conference with. Uh, it's the senior day. It's the alumni game. It's it's the support her game where they want everybody to come out. And so if you are friends or follow me on social media, you'll probably see it. Uh, I'll be promoting that here this week quite a bit. Uh, but it's going to be massive for them. And I'm I'm hoping that this George Mason game, uh, they, they're able to pack the Seagull Center to support them because this is honestly – you know, it's a it's a team that's won 24, has a chance to win 25 games going into that George Mason game. Uh, and they're just playing great basketball. Like it's a it's a fun team to watch. And that St. Joe's game, I think, was was a real eye opener for me, because at, in the first half, I was like, uh oh, maybe this is a team that against the other top four teams in the conference is. Is going to battle, but I, they might not come out on top. Well, the second half then happened and I was like, oh, OK, maybe it was just bad quarter of basketball and now we're ready to roll like um the the two richmond losses that they have that's two of the three conference losses the other one is against george mason they'll look to avenge that uh in the senior game but the two losses to richmond they were winning most of those games so i i think you know right now there's not a team in the a10 that i think vcu fears and i you would understand that uh because yeah. they're they're playing so well the, the good news for them after the George Mason and Rhode Island games is it's the A-10 tournament, and that's in Henrico. So it's a fairly local tournament yeah. for them. And Sleep at home. Yeah. yeah. They can they can play local uh, and uh, <laughs> get a, hopefully get a top four by, double by, and, uh, yeah, get get into that conference tournament and hopefully win it and get into the NCAAs. Yeah, and they're, they're hoping to be seated there in that top four gig, that double by. So they only really play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, really a weekend tournament, which would be really cool. But yeah, you know, friends and family that are used to coming to watch and play in Richmond, you know, they'll be right there. I assume they sleep at home, but maybe they get some kind of team hotel close and and, and are together. But uh, still, they don't have to travel far for anything. So that that is great. Uh, probably the highlight for the women, though, right now uh, in, in a lot of women's basketball is the, the attention was turned towards Blacksburg this weekend and, and Virginia Tech stood up and looked good during it. And uh, game day uh, from ESPN, they just started the women's game day uh, last season and uh, the first ACC school to get it, Virginia Tech. And they were there and it looked cool 11 o'clock on Sunday and it was loud and, and it was awesome. And uh, I missed it live, but I did watch it back and uh, we looked good as a fan base there on game day and then came out with UNC, a troublesome team for Virginia Tech. Um, they, it's kind of this, this surge of what Virginia tech is recently has come with a lot of monumental wins over UNC and a good UNC program there. They took care of business against UNC and didn't let the light shine too bright at all. And they, uh, beat them by 12 and really took care of that game the whole way. And so they're flying high. They've won a bunch in a row. Uh, they're first in the ACC. They're ranked fifth now in the nation. So a lot of people taking notice of what Virginia Tech is doing um, and they never dropped too far from that, uh, but, you know, really took advantage of the opportunity that the ACC gives them with a lot of good women's basketball. And they've won. They, they've been they beat NC State twice. They beat UNC twice. Um, they just had a lot of big wins down the stretch. Now they got Notre Dame coming up on Thursday. That's a good, solid women's program. Not quite what they have been in the past, but you can't overlook them. And then a surgeon UVA team on Sunday, which. Virginia Tech definitely will be favored in that game, but going to UVA, a team that just knocked off, um, uh, was it UNC they beat? Or NC, it wasn't NC State, it was UNC. Um, but a surging UVA team that's getting a lot better in women's basketball quickly here. 
uh, with Sam Burnell from Green County over there on the team. So a big week for Virginia Tech to close out this regular season, try to kind of maintain that fifth-ranked seeding because you go into the ACC tournament and win that, all these other teams are going to get challenged in their conference tournaments because the Pac-12 is loaded. SEC has a lot of challengers. So see what we get there with seeding. And uh, maybe Virginia Tech slides into another number one seed, but they're looking at a top two seed either way, going to host some tournament games, really sitting in a good spot right now. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing there for that UVA game is it's a rivalry game, so who knows? Like, there's going to yeah. be that yeah. added emphasis there, too. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Can't overlook it. I think you're right. Virginia Tech women are well poised to get a number one seed um, if they take care of business and win the ACC tournament, uh, which is great because you love to see that. Um, and, you know, I didn't think we would see the kind of, you know, bright lights being a distraction. This is a team that was in the Final Four last year. If that right. bright light, if you get to those bright lights, it's college game day is massive. It's a big get, um, but it's not a final four. So th- th- that team yeah. had proven they had, you know, they could handle that spotlight. Um, and individually, I mean, you had Caitlin or uh, Caitlin, <laughs> Georgia Moore and Liz Kitley, uh, not Caitlin, uh, Liz Kitley on the court and coach Kenny Brooks on the court. And there's a couple hours before game time. And, and then, you know, that could be a distraction in some other places, but Kenny has a good control of them. They didn't go overboard with like, they really took care of it. They were ready to play. Kitley had a great game there so uh maybe we need more gaming more distractions or something like that because we focused in and played a really good game in the afternoon yeah, but i do want to go back because we talked while we were talking about the women we talked about jmu women losing to app state I mean, what a rivalry that is turning into yeah already and we football, knew, it. We knew football that was men's yeah. basketball women's basketball yeah. i'm yeah. sure baseball's gonna be a thing i love it it's it's that is that is gonna be a true rivalry between those two teams that's, that's i love awesome. it i still think like the marshall one might get going here but it just hadn't produced yet just because of locality but appy state already had a little bit of fire and it's just i mean it just threw coals on there. I mean, in terms of the football, on there. Like, yeah, in terms of good. the football, it was already kind of there because of when yeah. App State was in FCS. Like they had some sure, yeah. high profile showdowns and playoffs. And then the one regular mm-hmm. season game when I was a freshman at JMU that JMU came back from down 21 and one um, that that had already fueled that kind of fire. But to see it transferring into the other sports, love it. I wish JMU was on the right side of some of these, but it's yeah. uh, it's definitely fueling that rivalry. Yeah, build up that rivalry and then start to dominate it. That's that's what you have to hope right now. Right. All right, I guess it's D-block time where we can jump into some other stuff. Uh, what's Dominate My Life? Um, what is Dominate My Life? I didn't write anything down. And I said, I got <laughs> talking one. about what's dominating your life, Joe. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, what's been dominating my life has been uh, – just music. I've listened to a lot of stuff, obviously, on these drives to Richmond. I, I've listened to more audiobooks than music recently, but I stumbled on two songs that just made me smile. One I've sent to you already, uh, and I sent to a lot of friends because I just, it got stuck in my head. The song is like a minute Ooh. long. But Did you just call me friend? I said I sent it to a lot of friends, and I sent it to and you. And me. Okay, yeah. my bad. I misunderstood. My yeah. fault. Yeah. You sent it to a lot of friends and Leland. Gotcha. Yeah. Let's not forget gotcha. that yelling we already had already on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, they, this song's only a minute long, and it's called 15,000 Pounds. And it's like this guy hey. takes the – the video is really funny. And if you find the reel or video, I highly recommend that. But You saw that dude before, though, right? No. 
You haven't seen that, dude? There's other videos. There's other stuff just like it that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I found the album that's on Spotify and then found some of the videos on his Instagram. I've only ever that. seen like TikTok and videos of that dude. Like I've only ever seen video. I didn't know Spotify. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. He's got a thing uh, on Spotify. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that, they're, they're so funny. Yeah. If you, if you can't find the reels, uh, hold on, let me help you. It's on Instagram. It's Luba Lynn underscore vibe underscore emporium. That's spelled L U B A L I N. Uh, but it's internet drama part five, 15,000 pounds is the one that I sent Leland because it got stuck in my head, but it's just basically a text conversation that's going on. And he just puts music to it of this person texting someone named Abby about, uh, her horse that weighs 15,000 pounds and Abby doubting that the horse weighs 15,000 pounds. Cause that's a little too big to be a horse, but, um, it's so funny. I mean, <laughs> The, the song, when I when I discovered it, it got stuck in my head on Thursday, and it just dominated. It dominated my Thursday. It was all I could think about. I, I had a hell of a time trying to get it out of my head. So this, the first time I saw this, I think was 2020. Like, uh, it's during the time. Old. Yeah, like, uh. like when the Sarah girl was doing the Trump uh, press conferences, but, like, with her, and she's, like, kind of acting them out, and, like, making it funny. Uh, it was around that time where it just like people would take other things and like redo it. I, I do think it's towards that old. And um, yeah, he has other ones. I wish I could remember the, like how it went on the other ones, but like, there's one about a broccoli recipe that is absolutely hilarious. And then there's like old women arguing too. There's another one. I, I want to make the, sure you that's see the broccoli one. Oh, it's so good. It's yeah. so like, it is good. And um, Yeah. Yeah, it's worth watching. I mean, it's a quick little, it's a quick deep dive. If you go into it, you'll a rabbit hole. Like you won't be lost for hours. You'll just be lost for a solid 15 minutes. But it's funny. Yeah, he just takes people's text conversations and sings them with, with some emotion. And it, it's so good. The other one that, that I've discovered on Spotify recently, and this was because it was in, like in my Discover. Uh, it's been out for a while too. Um, but it was, let's see, this was, Gosh, this has been out since 2014, apparently. Um, I watched the show Archer. And if you've watched the show Archer, you know that in one of the seasons, a girl that goes by Cheryl, Carol, and all kinds of names, uh, eventually goes by Shirlene because she takes on this outlaw country persona for one of the seasons. And she teams up with Kenny Loggins in one of the episodes, and they do a cover of Danger Zone. Well, I found that on Spotify, and I love it. I mean, it's awesome. Um, it's It's got great uh, harmony. It's got great uh, unison parts. You're thinking with only two people, mm, unison's going to be a dangerous game with a, a female and a male, maybe. But they, they do it so well in the unison, and then, then when they break off into the melody and the harmony parts, uh, I just, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I enjoy that version. I mean, I think the original is obviously still the best, but that that's a good version. If you're looking for it, uh, just search Danger Zone uh, Shirlene, or you could search Archer uh, Shirlene, and it's songs from the TV series, and there's like a whole album. Mm. They also do the, she also has a version of Eastbound and Down. Hmm. All right. Uh, what dominated my life this weekend? Uh, you know, I have a good employer and uh, that was reminded to me. I got, you know, sent and paid for to go to a contractor's conference that, you know, the day job, the, the job that actually pays me money. 
Um, so I uh, was able to do that. So, and it was handing out with the owner of my company. So that was awesome. Um, and so that's a good reminder. It, it, you know, sometimes I, I don't right now. I have a great employer. I really like working for them, but you know, I know not everybody has that, but make sure when you get those moments where it's something to appreciate about your employer and a little bit, you know, something extra that's nice and good, make sure you take time to uh, appreciate that. And those of you that run your own business, uh, you know, make sure to reward yourself at some moments, uh, but also, you know, take what I'm saying as that could be your employee that that might need that little bit of bump and not, not everybody can have the experience I had this weekend. Like that's not what I'm saying, but you know, some beyond a pizza party, uh, if you're able to help your employees or if you're able to receive that from your employer, uh, make sure you appreciate those because uh, that's that's big. Um, moving it on, though, what I know that you need to know, and I think I've known this slightly longer than everybody else knew it. Not much, um, but the, the papers did have it this week. Coach Casto going into the Virginia State Hall of Fame for what he has done as a high school football coach. Uh, the primary resume there will be for what he did at Riverheads High School and uh, winning all those state championships and the beginning of the run that they um, just now ended with the seven state state championships. He won the first six of those plus three others. So nine time state champion coach Casto going into the hall of fame and absolutely deserved um, no, no reason to hold off any longer um, and go ahead and put him in there, honor him. And, and that's, that's big. Um, you know, not every high school, you know, not everybody that we know in high school played for a Hall of Fame football coach, but all uh, generation Riverheads players now will be able to say that. And, and that's awesome. And that's why when we talked about, you know, reference coach Hatcher earlier in this, and that's, that's that level, you know, Virginia State Hall of Fame is just a, it's a big deal. So congratulations to Coach Casto. He's been on this podcast a couple of times, mostly talking about his employment status. Um, but uh, maybe we'll try to get him on here to talk about him entering the hall of fame and knowing him, he'll push a lot of credit to a lot of other people. And, um, but he has been, uh, the consistent thing absolutely of what's happened, uh, during his tenure at Riverheads. He, he was the leader of that consistency. And so he does deserve this individual credit, um, for all the success that all those teams had. So congratulations to him, the school, the community, uh, for that recognition. We're going to talk about it. I'm sure more, uh, when the, Ceremony probably happens, um, but hopefully we're having Coach Casto on to do that. And uh, so just want to make sure everybody knew that and also congratulate him. Yeah, that was awesome to see that uh, and for him to be able to be recognized for his accomplishments and what he has meant to uh, Virginia high school sports. Because as you and I have touched on, and I think we know from talking to Coach Casto, you heard a little bit from Coach Mickens today. Like the great coaches, it's not just about the wins and losses. It's about the impact they have on the people that come through that program. and you know, you were in the program and you know better than than most uh, that that the impact that he's able to have on those kids that come through that program and what it means to them later in life. Yeah. And I've appreciated seeing it from the different angles. You know, I, I saw it looking up as him, Adam as a player, but then also uh, to just be an alum and kind of see it. You know, when you're in high school, you think that's all that matters and how big a deal I me on a state championship team is. And you go to college and, and you kind of feel that get a little bit put in its place. And, and, you know, there's other guys there that have won state championships. So like you, you understand where it sits in the world and you look at it from a different view, but then, you know, being back home and then getting into, uh, you know, broadcasting and, and the, you know, 
whatever form of journalism we call what we do here, uh, you know, seeing them from that angle and having to interview them and, and, and know them from that angle and, and hearing some of the behind stories from when I played and then also understanding, you know, the dynamics of how it works now. And, um, you know, Coach Casto is not full of it. He's not a coach that's full of it. He's going to say what he means and, and go forward. And, and the coach speak that he uses are what he feels, you know, like he has some of those phrases that you'll hear from other coaches, but that is how he really operates. And, uh, you know, the, the way they focus on game to game and stuff like that, um, you know, he keeps it very simple for his players. And so I've always appreciated that. And then also to see it behind the scenes and get to know him personally off the field more so, um, you know, having common family and, and marrying into that family. Um, you know, being able to have those, you know, real conversations and, and understanding who he is even more and understanding he's not fake. You know, he, he, he is that guy. He is that straightforward thinker. And, um, and so I'm, I'm really proud to that. He's gotten, he's going to get this recognition, not a shock. You know, we all knew this was coming. Um, and like, again, he'll, he'll push credit in other directions, but at some point uh, we're just going to just keep reminding him that he, he, he deserves credit and this is that. And uh, so that's great. Yeah. Uh, what I know that you need to know, Leland, I'll give you the option here. What do you want? Do you want to talk about, well, oh never mind. Never mind. We're not going to, can I rule that. something out? <laughs> no. Um, it's hey, getting... people we were with this weekend. My boss had high words to the Billy Joel concert that they had gone to in the past in Kansas city. Yeah. Uh, they got last minute tickets, had a great story and uh, commended him for the show he put on. He said it came out on the stage and he says a lot of these old guys get up here and uh, sing their new songs. We're singing nothing but the hits or so, some version of that story. And they they loved it. So uh, that was at Kaufman Stadium in the baseball park where they don't do concerts very often. That's where they saw him. So there's yeah. there's a Billy Joel story. So you anyone, don't have to tell one. anyone who's ever seen Billy Joel live has never had a bad time. Yeah, like, I'm sure it's a great show. Yeah. It's a good show. They liked it better than the Elton concert they went to. So there. Wow. There See, yeah. I think someone on this yeah. podcast said he's the greatest singer of all time. And someone tried <laughs> to push back. Um, but um, no, there's a couple things. One, and I'll make it quick so certain people don't shut the podcast off. Uh, but Liverpool won the Carabao Cup uh, final on Sunday. It was 1-0 in extra time. They got the header late to, to go ahead. And today, uh, the Football Association, the FA over in England, said, well, actually, you know, Liverpool probably should have won the match earlier. There was some replay decisions we got wrong. Oops, our bad. Um, it ended up not mattering because Liverpool won anyway. But it's another cool moment because Klopp has said he's retiring at the end of the year. It's another cool moment where at the end of the match, the team lines up with the coach and they go to the end where all the Liverpool fans are and they sing, you'll never walk alone and the crowd's going nuts and you see some of them tearing up at Klopp included. And it was cool. Um, I just hope right now they're still first place in the premier league. It's going to be a tight race all the way to the end with Manchester city nipping at them. I just hope they're able to win that. Cause that would be awesome. Uh, if they're able to win that trophy uh, in his last season as well. But the other thing that I know that you need to know uh, deals with kind of what we were talking about, a few weeks ago with the ESPN and HBO slash Time Warner or uh, yeah, Time Warner, mm-hmm. uh, Time Warner and Turner Sports and Fox Sports all merging with their streaming service. 
Uh, it turns out Paramount and Peacock are talking about maybe merging. And if that happens and they're doing it with the sports, at that point, you know, we had talked about like, oh, the CBS and NBC are what I don't get. But if they start throwing the sports on there and they merge, at that point, I will probably look at YouTube TV and be like, I don't think I need you anymore. So um, yeah. uh, I know I've gotten used to Red Zone, but I, I can live without it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Mm. I need you to keep UTTV. That's that's what I know that you need to know. Well, then you better be writing your congressman. <laughs> but um, I I have it right now though with Direct, so I, I I'm kind of joking. But hey, if they have those apps together, I'm probably looking at getting rid of Direct. So yeah, I I don't know if I can live without Red Zone, so I'm gonna have to pay attention to how that goes. Um, but uh, oh yeah, that I mean makes it simpler. Definitely does. And again, like I, FUBU TV is talking about suing the first group that has already announced they're doing this. Um, the ESPN, Time Warner, Time Warner, Turner Sports. And What's Fox it Sports. taken away from them? Well, because they said they have tried to do this, and those companies and corporations have told them they have to take the channels that don't offer sports if they want the ones that offer sports. Yeah, so, they're offering two different things. Like this is offering something but Fubu, different than Fubu TV. Fubu Sports is saying that they've wanted to offer this. They've wanted to offer just the sports channel, the channels where sports are, and so they won't just doing let it directly. Them. Yeah, they didn't want the middleman. Well, but then the problem is if you're doing it and you're telling this other company that they can't do it, then I I understand both sides of this. Now the problem is going to be they're not going to win. Right, yeah, because these companies they don't own the rights to anything. Those companies do. Those companies own the rights. Those companies are larger than Fubo. Yeah. And uh, the old saying, "Money talks and stuff walks." Um, that's gonna be a thing. And the other, yeah. the other thing, when they're saying it's forming a monopoly, that law is usually applied when the consumer is the one getting screwed. The consumer, in no way, is getting screwed by these sports rights being bundled. If anything, the consumer is being rewarded. So, especially, gosh, I would love it. I would love it. Now, would I have loved if FUBU TV could have done this years ago, like what they tried? Yeah, I would probably have FUBU TV. But those companies didn't want them to do that. So, whatever. Um, man, Peacock, I, I just want, I just want this. I want... I just want it to not be insanely expensive. That's the other thing. With their forces combined, it can't cost me more than YouTube TV. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think I think forty forty bucks or something as well. But if that's be. forty and Peacock and Paramount wants to be thirty thirty five, I'm down at that point. And at least with this, I mean, you're getting HBO non sports programming. You're getting. Uh, Peacock and Paramount non-sports programming, like too, like man, it just works out really good. It really does. Yeah, it's on demand. I Peacock and Paramount already showing me ads. Hulu's gonna there's show gonna me be ads. some kind of bundle where you're getting the Disney Hulu stuff with it too, because it's the, the same mm-hmm. parent company. So like, yeah, like what are you missing out of all that? Like, yeah, I, I agree. I I think that this is the best of both worlds, and yeah, I hope they're able to do it. I hope Paramount and Peacock figure out a deal uh, to combine their forces against this other three-headed uh, group that's going to go Big Ten and the SEC, right? 
Oh, I mean, they'll be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> then, then I can get the tournament, whether I'm watching, then I have two different screens. I've got one screen hopping around to whatever's on the HBO max, whatever they call it. I think they, they, it's just max now. Yeah. Well, and they said that, that they might put this under Hulu. Like it might just be like, uh, a tier of Hulu that this goes under and to which mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if I love that. Um, but I thought Hulu was all the Hulu program was going into the Disney app is what I had heard. Well, who knows huh. what they're going to do? Like that's yeah, the, maybe uh, Disney's got to figure out what they want to do with that first. Um, but uh, I am very interested to see if, you know, whatever they call HBO, ESPN, Fox Sports, you know, Fox Sports, Disney Max um, versus, you know, Paracock or whatever they call it. Um, like, we'll see what happens there. I, I would just love if those two. <laughs> P-Mount, yeah. P-Mount or Paracock. Either way, you got a problem with the name if you're merging them. So, um, but I just, I would love if those two can be less than what I'm paying for YouTube TV and I get all the sports I want. Like, that's that's the dream. That's always been the dream. Yeah. Oh, I said it. I remember in college saying it and getting argued with. Like, I would give up other program, other TV just to I just to watch live sports. But here's the like, beauty. I, I really like watching to. live sports. Like, the drama of live yeah. sports interests me. So, but now you I'm don't not even that I don't to. take in other programs, but, like, I'm not usually self-motivated for that. But now you don't even have to because a lot of that is on these right. other apps anyway. Absolutely. Like, and those are cheap. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I know if you have every single one and you add them up, it gets close. But honestly, not really. Like, if you're looking, if you didn't have YouTube TV, right? So you throw that right now. I think my latest thing was 80 ish dollars. Yeah. Like, if I'm looking at my Netflix, yeah, if I'm looking at my Netflix, uh, Hulu, Apple, Amazon, Max, and Paramount, it's not 80. Yeah. So I just put the sports on them, bundle them, make it even better for me, bundle them, put it put the sports on them. Like, oh, just get me there. Just get me there. That's all I want. That's all I want. But we'll see if that happens. I'm sure I'll get screwed somehow. I'm sure they'll figure <laughs> a way. I'm sure they'll figure a way out to screw me anyway. And that's how Joe ends the episode. I'm sure I'll get screwed somehow. Yeah. Uh, but on that positive note, make sure you're listening to the Yak Sports <laughs> Podcast. You can follow us, YAC Sports Pod, on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Tell your friends uh, this is where to go for all the local sports in Augusta County, Waynesboro, and Stanton. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Yak Sports Pod. That's YAC Sports Pod. You can find us on Facebook at the same place. Or you could email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. If you tell us what you think, you know, is Buffalo Gap going to be cutting down the nets at the Siegel Center? Do you agree with our estimate there that that's what's going to go down? Uh, what about college basketball? Who do you like? Who do you not like? Um, what do you think about court storming? Tell us what you think there. Um, so we're always looking for feedback on those. Uh, and uh, until next time, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Have a great week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.